And that's what climate change is about. It is literally, not figuratively, a clear and present danger. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. The ability of CO2 to do the heavy work of creating a climate catastrophe is almost nil at this point. The price of oil has been artificially elevated to the point of insanity. That's not how you power a modern industrial system. The ultimate goal of this renewable energy you know, plan is to reach the exact same point that we're at now. You know who's tried that? Germany. Seven straight days of no wind for Germany. Uh, their factories are shutting down. They really do act like weather didn't happen prior to like 1910. Today is Friday. Yeah, today is Friday. Hello and welcome to Climate Change Roundtable. You know, that actually that intro works very well for today's episode with Sterling's clip about German factories shutting down because we're talking about how Europe has been dealing with an energy crisis and the United States is kind of heading down the same road that Europe's been heading down for a while now. And, you know, maybe we should foresee the similar issues having here. But before we get into all that, let's introduce the people on our panel today. And let me go straight to Sterling, who's just looking so festive. Sterling, I love the shirt. How you doing? Hey, uh, glad to be on. Yes, I have. Uh, <laughs> Halloween season is officially here for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I celebrated the entire month. So yeah. uh, my yard's done and my clothing is uh, appropriate. Hey, for next week, take a picture of the yard. So, because uh, honestly, I'm curious about it. I want to see what you got going. Yeah, I know that like last year at ICCC, we talked about your love for Halloween. I'm, I'm a Halloween guy too, but I got to actually check out what you do. Linnea, I see that you're rocking the orange too, putting me and Anthony to shame. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Been looking forward to getting out the fall clothes forever. So yeah, it's still yeah, kind of yeah. warm down here in the South, but it's not so warm that I won't wear a sweater in my own uh, house. It ain't warm here anymore this morning. Outside, cold and rainy. And Anthony Watts. Anthony, how you doing? Well, so far, so good. You know, it just, uh, I'm happy it's Friday. Even though Greta likes it, I'm even happier <laughs> about it. Yeah, right? Well, Greta's kind of faded into obscurity, so we don't have to be too, you know, angry about what she thinks anymore. But, um, you know, before we actually get into our main topic, I just did want to uh, point out the fact that uh, Dr. Tim Ball passed this week. He was a... Um, another uh, just really influential person in climate science. And Anthony, I know that you've worked with him over the years. So I honestly just wanted to hand it to you just to, to speak for a minute. Yeah, you know, Dr. Tim Ball was a real scientist. He was the guy that followed the data and followed the conclusions of the data rather than the reverse that we see with some of these climate activist scientists where they propose something, they think it's there, and then they go try to find the data to support it uh, or find a model to support it or whatever. Um, Tim followed the science in the correct way. And he was a real gentleman. You know, he basically was, um, you know, you could never, even amongst the worst situation that he'd been in with Dr. Mann, he never said a bad word about him, even though Mann deserves some of the worst criticism you could ever throw at a human being. <laughs> uh, I mean, seriously. Um, but Dr. Ball was a, was a, a gentleman and a scholar in every way. And I helped in his defense with the lawsuit, the frivolous lawsuit that Dr. Yeah, Mann actually... brought against him. I mean, the, the lawsuit was over something that's been a joke around Penn State for decades. You know, yeah. there, somebody does something bad, you know, at the university, well, you belong in state Penn rather than Penn State. You know, that, and so, you know, Ball used that quip. Mann got upset and decided he was defamed over something that thousands so of people use around the university over decades and made this frivolous lawsuit. And as Mark Stein points out, 
the lawsuit was not about winning for men. It was about the process and the punishment in the process, just dragging it out. Man never intended to win this. All he intended to do was drain the life and finances out of Dr. Ball. And that's unfortunately what was accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, go Sterling. Yeah. Um, it, the, the, you know, the shame is so what Ball did, that was a quip. A man belongs in the state pen, not Penn State, based on uh, Ball's assessment of, uh, you know, he, he took a lot of taxpayer money over the years and he produced this uh, this hockey stick graph. Man, not that bad. man did. Yeah. And uh, widely used, widely criticized. Uh, and the, the work of Dr. Uh, McKittrick, a, a, a statistician, you know, showed that you could punch in almost any numbers and come up with the same hockey stick. And so uh, Ball and McKittrick said, look, we want to see your data and your data set so we can see if we can, if it, if it reconstructs the same thing. And um, so when man sued, uh, they went to court. It was, it was in uh, Canadian court, man, man uh, uh, Ball is Canadian citizen. And he sued in Canadian court. Man's also in federal court here, suing other people for saying, uh, for calling him bad names. Um, and the court said, well, this hinges on whether uh, your hockey stick is accurate, you know, uh, and so we need your data. And man refused repeatedly to provide the data to defend. You know, he says, you say you're being defamed. Show us the data so we can see whether you've been defamed and uh, or slandered because it was really a slander suit. And uh, he refused. Finally, after, I think, five years, man's team agreed to provide the data to the court. Good. Uh, agreeing to and delivering are two different things. Don't, <laughs> say, good, don't say good too soon uh. because they agreed to. And never did. And so the court, uh, Ball said, look, this has been going on for a long time. I ask that you dismiss the suit. And the court did with prejudice. Said, You can't file this again. We gave yep. you a chance to defend yourself to show that, that, that this is a legitimate lawsuit. You didn't do it. You didn't comply with our court orders. You lose. And they awarded, as they do in Canadian courts, attorney's fees to Ball. Good. Three years after the suit is dead, no attorney's fees have been dead, uh, have been paid. Um, so yep. that's, you know, it just, it and just crushed. But, but through it all, as, as uh, Anthony said, Ball was a gentleman. He didn't call him names. Um, I, I, I would not have been as nice. I've, I've that's met, what I'm thinking. <laughs> I have. Yeah, no, I've met man on a couple of occasions. Um, he, he, uh, he owes that family now uh, his, his uh, you know, it, it, ball is dead, but his family lives on. He should be forced to pay. He yeah. filed a frivolous Unfortunately, lawsuit. The court said you must pay. There's a legal problem associated with it. Man knew this, I believe, when he filed, at least it's my opinion that he did, that he filed the lawsuit in Canada rather than the United States. Mm -hmm. And so the Canadian courts, when they ruled against man, they had no jurisdiction to enforce it in the United States. And so man gets off scot-free because the Canadian courts can't reach across the border and say, pay up. They can't do it. You know, it's just, mm. it's really sad. And um, 
I, you know, one of the things that makes me wonder, one of the comments that we saw here about people have no sense of humor and nor can they laugh at themselves. And, you know, makes, I think we ought to create a graph based on our own experiences, you know, in the climate debate. Um, we could create a graph showing a correlation with climate change and the number of jerks. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, right. You know, you know, I, I was I, I, in, a, in a quip that is, uh, if you do a, sadly, if you do a Bing search for me, it doesn't come up in, in, in Google, but if you do a Bing search. Which I'm doing uh, every day. It still, it still comes up. Uh, some guy talked about me more than nine years ago, and he said, Sterling Burnett is a fat, smelly bastard. Well, now I am going to be searching you. I got that beat. Someone said I have sex with farm animals. And so, you know, leaving aside the death threats, I, I, I pointed out to him, I responded. I said, I said, I am fat. <laughs> and, but I know I'm not smelly. I bathe every day. You don't. <laughs> And I said, I know my parentage, and they were married at the time. So I should take you to court for slander because that is a lot. Yeah. Oh, um, but, uh, you know, my suspicion is, I could be wrong, that man someday will cross the border into Canada for a speech or a conference. And I hope they clap the cuffs on him when he does because then they've got him. Now, yeah. they won't. It's not a criminal trial. But they should uh, take any fees that he gets from Canadian uh, 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 speaking fees or anything if he goes up there and give them right to, to Ball's widow and family. Yeah. Anyway, the family, I, I'm close to the Ball family. I talk yeah. to them on a regular basis. Um, his wife, uh, Martha, and his son, David. And they're both, um, they're pretty burned out over this whole thing. But um, so what I did is I put up on WhatsApp with that just to, a week ago, um, Tim Ball's funeral expenses, uh, basically a drive. And we had people donate towards this um, through um, PayPal and also through another outlet that was not PayPal because some people don't like PayPal anymore because of what they've done to conservative causes and so forth, just basically ripping out the conservative cause fund money and giving it to some worthy cause, so to speak, that they decide. Um, so anyway, uh, from this, I'm happy to report that we raised about $25,000 Canadian for the family. So uh, at least they're That's able great. to, you know, cover their funeral and memorial expenses. I had this little cartoon done with Josh, but basically sums up, you know, the whole thing with man. And, you know, even though the court has Tim Ball's verdict around his ankle, he's still not going to pay. He's just turning up his news. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, yeah. So if you all want to help with that, go to what's up with that.com. You can find um, Anthony's link there, but we just wanted to take the top of this episode to address that entire thing. What's the alternative to PayPal? Someone says in the comments, uh, I don't know, crypto, uh, Zelle, Venmo is, uh, but I guess for this, I don't know. Um, go to, go to Anthony's site and you can find it. Yeah. That it'll be there. Are you still um, going to show the videos, please? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's show the video. Let me uh quickly pull that back up. One second. All right. All right, cool. Here we go. Winston Churchill said, um, you've got it. No, just briefly, this is um Tom Harris kind of introduced. Tim, we gave Tim Ball the Lifetime Achievement in Climate Science uh, 
uh, award. So this is just kind of the introduction, and we thought it kind of gave a good good. Uh, yeah, he worked he worked with Tom Harris. He was uh, a science advisor with to Tom Harris International Climate Science Coalition. All right, so here we go. Enemies, good. That must mean that you stood up for something sometime in your life. The winner of the Lifetime Achievement in Climate Science Award, Dr. Tim Ball, has certainly stood up for many things in his life. And he's done this under some of the most challenging conditions you can imagine. He's done it in front of lawyers in terrible court cases. He's done it in front of aggressive and ignorant politicians in government hearings. He's done it radio and TV. He's done it in thousands of presentations all over the world. When I think of Dr. Ball, I think of one word in particular, and that is courage. He's one of the bravest people I have ever known. Yet Dr. Ball retains his sense of humor. Earlier this week, he laughed to tell me a story about when he spoke to a grade four class. The teacher announced that he was a climatologist. And one of the students quickly put up his hand and said, how many mountains have you climbed anyway? <laughs> well, Dr. Ball may not be a professional mountain climber, but he has certainly overcome huge obstacles to get out the word on climate change reality and get out the word he does indeed. A Google search of Tim Ball and climate change yields over 66,000 results. Probably and not if you search for his name and the word denier, uh -oh. you come up with over 18,000 results. <laughs> of course, Tim is the exact opposite of, the, of a denier. He says that climate change is all the time. But activists do their absolute best to smear him in every way possible. And they have really good reason to fear him because he not only does good science, but he sways public opinion. So I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here just to uh, Dr. Ball speaking, even though this is honestly all great stuff, just because I thought we should you know, get some of his words, too. So and, you know, it'd be a little weird if we just watched 20 minutes of the video. Make my job for tonight. Easy, but. So I introduce you to Tim Ball. Well, I want to start by thanking the Heartland uh, Institute for this award, um, and uh, it uh, is gratifying after all these years of fighting and struggling about climate and getting the truth out to the public. And that's always been the struggle, because um, although they say it's about climate, it really isn't about climate. It's about overpopulation. The whole issue uh, was that they used climate uh, as a vehicle for their argument that the world is overpopulated. And of course, they use the climate because it's global mm -hmm. and it's the in the classic tradition of what people fear, and that is the sky is falling. Uh, this is a quote from uh, Lobo Ponte. Who uh, I'll, I'll edit there. Uh, honestly, that's a, that's a great quote, the sky is falling. Um, yeah. 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 He was a great man, and he, he was, as, as uh, Tom Harris pointed out, very brave in the face of tremendous adversity. And, um, you know, I would just say that anyone who is a climate skeptic these days fits that description of being brave. Because That's what I was actually thinking. The status quo out there is climate change is happening. Get over it, you nasty people. That's their whole viewpoint. And they don't want to look at facts. They don't want to look at, you know, it's just like the newspapers. We've had posts this week on climate realism where and then the Washington Post and the New York Times are just blatantly ignoring data that says hurricanes are not getting worse, but they ignore it in favor of an agenda. It's just really sad. Yeah. Um, I 
I think that, um, you know, what Stanley said in the comments there is spot on that uh, the worst thing that they call us is actually climate deniers. Mm -hmm. And to us, we get called all the time and it kind of washes off your back a little bit. But what they're trying to do with that is to evoke thoughts of Holocaust deniers. So what they're what they're trying to say is that by demanding that we actually get to see the data, by being skeptical that the um, the powers that be that are pushing this particular climate narrative and the alarmist narrative, um, they're saying that because we are skeptical of that, even to different degrees, because no one on our on this side of the issue agrees on every single point of it, because there's so much data. Um, they're saying that you're, you're, you know, basically implicit in genocide if you're, um, if you're a denier. So, and I, and that's, it's really effective for some people. Some people really backpedal on their positions. So, um, that, uh, that so many people don't backpedal is, is great. Yeah. Uh, I've said this before, I believe on this program, but I think it's worth repeating. Uh, I am Jewish and in my high school, uh, climate change was pushed pretty heavily towards me, especially in a social studies class. But I do, I always remember this, that I was like sitting there on a test. It was covering, I don't know, European history or something. And just randomly thrown in was denying climate change is akin to denying the Holocaust. And uh, I'm just like sitting there I'm not like someone that's easily offended. And and honestly, it's not like I was just sitting there like, ah, you offended me. Like, I'm I'm not Gen Z. Uh, and that's just being offended by any like, I don't know, dog quip or whatever they're using these days. But uh, I was just kind of shocked that like some teacher felt the need to just say that like, oh, yeah, if you don't think that uh, that humans are destroying the planet, because when he says denying climate change, he means catastrophic anthropogenic climate change. Then like you're denying the Holocaust. And uh it's also just one of those moments where you're like, do I stand for what I believe or do I try to get into college? And uh, I wish I could tell you which option I selected. I don't remember. But it, it just kind of highlights to a degree, A, how shitty uh, of a teacher that was. Sorry. And uh, I'm not gonna... yeah, go Sterling. What do you got? No, no, no. Go ahead. Finish. Finish your thoughts. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. Just how, how bad the teacher was. And also just just how pervasive this is in our education system. That was it. That was the end. I've been I've been told I'm worse than a Nazi. You are uh, kidding. <laughs> because um, uh, the, the, the difference between <laughs> climate change and the Holocaust, uh, for anyone who doesn't understand reality, is um, the Holocaust is something that happened in history, was observed, was has been measured. There is data and there are bodies. And, you know, more than six million Jews. Uh, and then you throw in um, other people for different reasons, homosexuals, yeah. uh, you know, prisoners, mm -hmm. other people, the Nazis dislike the gypsies. Uh, or I, I think they don't like to be called gypsies now. I think they like to be called what? Uh, uh, I forget. In any case, the point is they died. It's observed. It's a fact. Uh, yeah. con concerning climate change, I guess the reason they call me, you know, they, they say I'm worse than is because they say it will kill far more people. But it's a theory based on models. It's not the same thing as the Holocaust. 
you know, yeah. it, it, just like saying, uh, gosh, if, if I were to say the Amazon forest, uh, will no, will be no longer in 10 years. It's not the same thing as chopping down a tree today. Um, yeah. or, or me wiping out a forest today. I'm sorry. One is an observable fact and one, uh, is just theory and speculation. And in their case, it's theory and speculation based on models that are flawed, that don't work, that don't reflect the reality of climate. That's why you shouldn't trust them. And that's why it's not at all the same as the Holocaust. One is reality. One is speculation. You, you could go in and lay odds on a bet in, in Vegas, and I think be more likely to win, and, and, and Vegas isn't known, it wasn't built on winners, but I bet you could lay odds on a bet in Vegas, be more likely to win than that catastrophic climate change would occur. Not that climate change occurs, but that uh, global warming is going to destroy human civilization, uh, make the planet unlivable, all these things that they claim. Yeah. Uh, when the next ice age comes, that may well be the case. But you know yeah. what? That's not climate change today. You know, you've given me a great idea, Sterling. I think Vegas would do really well with a one-armed bandit machine that's you know, climate change, you know? And it always comes up lemons. <laughs> <laughs> and it never pays off because all you do is keep putting money into it with no results. That would be the perfect, perfect slot machine for Vegas. I want to bring up a point here. I, I posted this up in uh, comments, um, but basically... There's, um, I wanted to show where this got started, this, this climate denier thing got started. And it got started by Ellen Goodman. And here it is. Ellen Goodman in the Boston Globe, February 9, 2007. I would like to say that we're at a point where global warming is impossible to deny. Let's just say that global warming deniers are now on a par with Holocaust deniers, though one denies the past and the other denies the present and future. That was a syndicated column out of the Boston Globe. And that's what popularized the term and got people doing it. So, um, Ellen Goodman, you're responsible for the smearing of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. Thanks a lot, lady. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, I had to go sign for a package. Apologies for running away for a moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, right? The joys the joys of being live here. Uh, yeah, we had the a joys comment. of live TV from home. Yeah, uh, we had a comment. There's one user. Uh, I, I I don't want to jump in right now if I'm interrupting something. Did someone have a thought? I, I'm obviously a bit disconnected. Okay, so we have one user. And uh, this user I find very interesting because every single time we've ever put out one of these videos, also I was kind of running to the door and back, so try to catch my breath here. <laughs> but uh, man, I need to go for more jogs. But uh, this user comments on every single one of our videos consistently, long, drawn-out poorly fairly well written very poorly researched research papers in our comments to the point where i'm convinced that uh they're paid to uh which makes no sense to me but uh uh they, i see the four idiots are back from fm so fm uh i would love for you to make your arguments against what we say throughout the rest of this episode in the comments and uh we'll see we'll see if you can actually um make a coherent argument that holds up to scrutiny or if uh, ad hominem attacks are kind of your thing. But also, and I've asked you this in the comments, who's paying you? Like, unless, <laughs> like, I'm so curious. You can you contact me silently. 
I just want to know, and I want to know how I can get into the game of shilling on other people's YouTube comments for money. Because, like, that would be a really good side gig. All right, moving forwards. <laughs> I, I guess I haven't seen any of those comments. but Oh, it's uh, funny. It, literally, if go to any any video we've ever made uh, th on this show or any video that I just put out related to climate, FM is there. And FM will spend, like, hours just arguing. It's, 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 it's hilarious. Like... I just, I just, I want to know the business behind it. I'm very, I'm very curious of all of it. <laughs> um, all right. So um, let's move, let's move to the actual topic. You all down with that? Sweet. All right. Would love let me to. Go ahead. Yeah, me too. Um, let me go ahead and pull up the, the article I was going to show here, but we, we will be discussing, as I mentioned earlier, that um, Europe's obviously dealing with an energy crisis. And we're making a lot of decisions here in the United States that uh, put us down a similar path. So, almost got it. Almost caught my, my breath since running to the door. All right. So, I've got an article here from Fox News that says, Energy experts sound the alarm on Europe's energy crisis as clear and present warning for America. And Fox News doesn't allow ad blockers. Boo, Fox News. So, um, six experts warned congressional leaders not to follow Europe blindly into the same disaster. I'll read from the start here. So, a group of energy and uh, environment experts are sounding the alarm on U.S. climate policy and pointing towards Europe's crisis an example of blindly abandoning energy security. In a letter Tuesday, the coalition of six experts earned congressional Republican leaders, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy to consider how green policies have contributed to the energy crisis in Europe. They added that the crisis proves the U.S. lawmakers need to bolster, not compromise energy security. So, um, oh, there was a comment I wanted to show on screen. I'll do it later that I missed. But uh, first off, Linnea, just kind of starting this article here, um, do, you, do you think that the United States is kind of essentially following the same path or do you think this is an overblown worry? No, absolutely. They're, they're trying everything that they can from the very beginning. And this is, you know, Basically, everyone in the media is blaming Putin and the invasion of Ukraine for the high yeah. gas prices, but that's it was happening way before Russia even made any moves of any mm -hmm. substance into that region um, in 2021. Man, the years go, they all just kind of blend together. Right? But um, a year from when Biden took office, American homeowners and um, households were paying $1,000 more on energy costs between heating their home or driving to and from work and gas prices than they were in years previous. And that was um, pretty, I don't want to say unprecedented because I don't know that for sure, but it was a very <laughs> quick rise and I hate that word. It's so overused. Unprecedented. Yeah, um, I know, right? That's what I'm, <laughs> I'm so sick of it. Um, the, the, Energy crisis in Europe is way worse than what we have here. And it is almost entirely due to the fact that Europe, in their obsession with uh, renewables, um, totally crippled their ability to manage a wartime economy. And even before, mm -hmm. like I said, even before Russia was coming in, um, they were already suffering from high prices uh, to heat their homes. Europe has always had quite a bit more expensive utilities than the United States in, in yeah. terms of their gas prices and everything. Um, it's completely absurd. The Russians campaigned for years to stop the United Kingdom from uh, 
producing their own natural gas in, in terms of fracking. Uh, and we know that for a fact. So they, they yeah. basically just took all of the propaganda from the alarmists and from interested foreign parties and really put themselves into an incredibly fragile position um, in terms of their energy security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole thing was the, a psyops. That's all it was. Yeah. You know, Sterling, let me, oh, can I play a video and then actually get your reaction out real quick, Sterling, before we continue? Sure. Uh, all right, great. I just want to get this for our viewers before we jump through the whole the whole topic here. So, uh, and also, it's not like anyone could have possibly seen this coming, right? You know, this is a total surprise. <laughs> Germany will become totally dependent on Russian energy if it does not immediately change course. Here in the Western Hemisphere, we are committed to maintaining our independence. We were committed from the encroachment of expansionist foreign. <laughs> ah, powers. Germany seems so amused by yeah, this. Yeah, look it's at been those the guys. Formal oh yeah, of our <laughs> since this could never Monroe, <laughs> that we reject the interference of foreign nations in this hemisphere and in our own affairs. All right, Sterling. Now, now I want to go. They're not laughing now, are they? Sorry about this. There we go. Um, Well, I mean, (laughs) it it, it said it. It said it so well. I, you know, going back to the letter, I'd just like to point out, you know. Oh yeah, go. They they were trying. They're they're trying to warn, as you say, the leadership, and they and they focus on the Republicans because uh, they think, I think probably rightly, that Democrats are immune to the logic Mm -hmm. uh, and reality. Um, in the end, as Linnea pointed out, our prices have risen dramatically. Germany and them are worse off. Biden's response is twofold. We want to build a lot of offshore wind. Well, uh, you know who's really dependent on offshore wind? Uh, the UK. And for the entire summer, the wind didn't blow very well for the UK. And so they're their lights were flickering. They didn't have backup. Of course, mm-hmm. we have a war. They're not getting natural gas from Russia. The, 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 the difference between Trump and Biden on this is Trump wanted to block and was against uh, the Nord Stream 2. Biden okayed it. Mm-hmm. Trump okayed and said he was behind a pipeline from Israel, our ally, through Greece to Europe. Uh, Biden reverse course and and said no we're not for that we're going to uphold the russians we're going to help the russians build their pipeline this was before the war but we're going to block our allies israel israel and the greeks from building a pipeline that could supply gas now europe has put itself in this position there's no question about that the question is uh you know and and biden and and this is the most for me because i'm an american i i can't speak for europe but i'll speak for my uh, from my perspective as an American, the president of the United States, a country that sits atop abundant oil and natural gas, has has tried to cripple the industry, is blocking everything he can on public lands and offshore. And when prices affect his electoral prospects, rather than you know saying, okay, I, I've learned, I'm going to open up the spigot. No, no. He goes begging to foreign dictators who he's called awful people, said, I won't have relationships with them before he went and met with them. Uh, And the Saudis are laughing at him and told him no. And now his alternative is to go to a dictator in Venezuela rather than 
promoting <laughs> U.S. industry. That's yeah. what's disgusting. We had energy independence, and in less than two full years, Biden has squandered it all. It's Lynette it's the same. Yeah. It's the same issue as the um, carbon emissions. I guess green imperialism stuff that we've always dealt with. The greens are totally all for having huge mining operations and China building a ton of coal plants. They're fine with that as long as it's out of sight, it's out of mind for them. It's the same thing here. It, yep. As long as it's happening somewhere else, they couldn't care less. So Saudi Arabia can frack and can drill for oil while they're committing all sorts of um, human rights atrocities. Meanwhile, <laughs> we can't do it. We who have better environmental protections, better um, like labor laws and stuff, we're the ones who have to suffer. I, yeah. It is beyond contempt. It's insane. Let's, let's talk about just for a moment. I hope um, you're doing what I wanted to. Uh, you know, California and Texas are, are prime examples of, of following Europe. Uh, Texas did it sort of through the back door, but they've gone down the path pretty quickly. Um, but let's talk about the Inflation Reduction Act for just a moment, because um, this, this links to the push for electrifying everything. So the Inflation Reduction Act says we're got to move to electric cars. And California's pushing it, says there'll be no internal combustion engine vehicles sold. And the states that tied into California's clean air waiver are doing the same thing, though Virginia is now trying to get out of it. But the Inflation Reduction Act makes it almost impossible to meet any of the goals for electric cars. Why so? Well, just this week, uh, the department, I think it was the Department of Labor, said we are going to say that lithium is a, a mineral produced through slave labor. And so mm -hmm. we don't allow minerals come in that are produced through slave labor. Uh, and so, okay, so what are, how are we going to get those lithium ion batteries that power everything, especially your big electric car push? Oh, yeah. well, we're going to mine, we're going to mine it all here. And, and, and that's what the Inflation Reduction Act requires is it's got to be the minerals and rare metals have to be mined here and have to be refined here. China does almost all the refining for the world. So it's got to move all here. Do you know how the Democrats ask AOC or Pelosi how they feel about mining in the U.S.? Yeah. How many mines they've approved over the last, I don't know, 50 years? Um Ask, ask that. When, when are we going to build all those mines? Uh, how are they going to feel about that? Okay, when, when are we going to build all those refining facilities and where are they going to be placed? <laughs> yeah. They're not going to have the electric. As it is, we're going to stop having electric vehicles as it is now that the Department of Labor has, has entered in because that's on vehicles produced now. How are yeah. you going to get any electric vehicles produced if you can't use minerals produced by slave labor when that's where that's how the minerals are produced? It's yeah. it's uh, and, and wait till they, the future. They, 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 honestly, you think that in the Biden administration, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. <laughs> yeah, Anthony, yeah. You, you look like you have a comment. Yeah. You know, and what's going to happen in the future? Mark my words. 
is with this whole ESG score madness, everybody's going to end up getting a personal ESG score. Mine will probably go negative, you know, like if it goes negative, negative, yours will go negative, which is fine. I'm I'm totally okay with that. But the point is, is that this ESG score is going to be used by the government and other entities, banking institutions, and so forth to manage your life. And I predict that at some point. Your ESG score, if it falls below a certain point, it's going to limit your ability to charge your electric car. Well, you've not been a good boy, so therefore you're only allowed this much electricity. That's the kind of stuff we're going to see in the future from these nuts. Yeah. Well, sorry, Andy. No, no, no. um, Germany is already kind of doing that right now. They're doing energy rationing in order to uh, help store up gas for the winter. Germany apparently can't help but go 50 years without trying some kind of fascism out apparently um <laughs> and, I, pretty funny. and i and i use i don't use that word lightly because it's thrown around way too much but really what it is is it's this unholy alliance between corporatist interests and the government um yep. in order to in order to put a boot on the neck of the average person in the country and that's what's been going on um they they have um like regulations right now on whether or not you're allowed to heat your own pool in your yard. Um, and, and I read a story on what's up with that the other day, actually about how they have, um, these private groups, they're allegedly not associated with the government, but they're basically Antifa who are walking around in neighborhoods looking and seeing if anyone has their pool, um, being heated. And if they are, and if they are, they're like breaking into their property and vandalizing their property. Yeah, that's a Second Amendment issue right there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I, I wonder if the Germans have sense enough as they send these people around to fine you or to that's penalize what, you yeah. for using too much energy, if they have sense enough to at least not dress them in brown shirts. Because um, <laughs> to make sure you know who they are, they put little red armbands around just so you can spot them easily. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's hope that they at least have uh, have have sort of a, a sense of uh, the imagery of it, you know. Yeah, yeah right. maybe, maybe they can wear maybe they can wear because they are SG uh, rainbow shirts, multicolored yeah. shirts. We're 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 the good guys. We're, we're helping you. Well, the black uh, block has been the black block has been parading around Europe in uniform for pretty much a decade now. Um, you know, harassing people and causing riots and stuff. So they kind of do have their own little punk squad already. I feel like I should know what this, who is doing this? Black, um, black block is a, uh, it's kind of like the European Antifa. Okay. Um, they've they've been going for a long time running around. Uh, they suck. So. All right. right, Cool. I didn't, I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know about the European Antifa. Um, Oh, what was that? You know, uh, does anyone in, remember uh, yeah. a time when it, you weren't uh, supposed to be wearing masks in public, going to stores with masks? And, you know, um, if, if, if if you came into a, a convenience store in Texas and you were wearing a mask, you you might get shot uh, before you made yeah. it to the counter because yeah. they just would assume that you were going to be robbed. Now it's uh, de rigueur, and people take to the streets. They burn things. They throw things through windows. They destroy cars. All wearing masks. Yeah, someone's wearing a mask. Uh, and we're supposed to say, "Oh well, that's uh, peaceful protest. That's uh, you know they're 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 upholding civil rights." It's like, no, that person was offended somehow. This is justified. They're they're, they're criminals. Yeah, but they are some- criminals, and they should be treated as such. Yeah, you know. if someone's wearing a mask and aggressive, that 
that's right to defend myself. But Anthony, sorry, you yeah, wanted to I, jump in. I was thinking that, you know, with the the demand for lithium, for lithium batteries and other heavy metals associated with building this uh, nirvana future of electric cars we're supposed to be embracing, you know, maybe we could take a page from what they did with Africa and other countries with blood diamonds, you know? They try to discourage you buying blood diamonds because, you know, they're they're mined with slave labor and so forth. And and then the money that they get is used to fund wars and all that sort of stuff. Well, maybe we can come up with terms, you know, to label some of these electric cars as being built with, uh, you know, blood lithium or slave yeah, lithium or something like that. I mean, seriously, it's the truth. That if you look at these lithium mines that are going on in these third world countries, it's exactly the same as the whole blood diamond situation, except that they're not using it to fund wars. They're using it to fund a green agenda. That's honestly a great point. And we, so we've been talking about the slave labor behind mining. We haven't even mentioned the labor behind building like wind turbines and solar panels in China, the Uyghurs. I mean, we've literally only covered like one half of the forced labor behind this entire issue. It's that's not even all of it. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Prison camp, pre prison work camps. Yeah. Um, I forget what they used to call those in Germany, but, um, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, they, maybe you should have uh, concentrated more. You could use a concentration camp for that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm Jewish. Uh, viewers. I'm allowed oh to make gosh. Come on. That was kind of creative. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, no, no. You, you got it. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's disgusting. And, but it, to Anthony's point, Look, the Department of Labor's ruling sort of opens the door for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I said, the Biden Department of Labor has said this this mineral is produced through slave labor and we're going to sanction it like that. OK, well, uh, that opens the door for us to make this argument uh, if we weren't already making before, which we were. We were ahead mm -hmm. of the curve there. Um, but, uh, you know, my question is. Uh, we, we've got another use of lithium, or at least we used to, and I think that we need it more and more now than we've ever needed <laughs> because of climate change and, and the, not climate change itself, but arguments about climate change and the depression it's causing and it is everything. And that's yeah. lithium as a medicine. But so, <laughs> precisely oh, so as the, we the, need the, lithium, like yeah, it's precisely as we need lithium uh, more as a medicine to help people uh, <laughs> get through the fears generated by alarmists on climate change. That's it's yeah. There's going to be a stranglehold on it. That's a good point, Sterling. You know, a, a long time ago, I coined a phrase, um, you know, about the left and the way that they view climate and all the associated imagined ills. They're basically ecochondriacs. They're basically scared of the of Mother Earth just coming down and smashing them. Well, it will eventually because, you know, nature doesn't give a rat's butt about humans. It's going to squish you like a bug if it chooses to. But the, the left is typically stocked with ecochondriacs. That's the, that's what's going on here. That's why they're so worried. Yeah. But the um, sad thing is they're generating, you know, most people care about the environment they want a quality environment. They certainly polls show they care about clean air and water more than anything, uh, environmental concern. Uh, but that doesn't mean you have to, it, you have to create psychological problems for children. If, if an eco alarmist, if an environmentalist wants to be afraid that the world's coming to an end, I got no problem. I'm tired of trying to convince them, but they shouldn't be yeah. able, they shouldn't be allowed to, propagandize and cause psychological illnesses in children so that 
uh, they have to go to psychiatrists and say, I'm worried the world's ending. We shouldn't hear that. And, and, and it's, it's, that's the terrible, terrible thing about it. Yeah. Yeah. Just like they shouldn't have been able to make me choose between like, not, you know, believing in climate alarmism or not getting like, Oh, I don't have to go back to that. Um, I think I think we're at that kind of 15 minutes left mark where we should questions? probably take questions. And someone, yeah. uh, Walter, just asked if we think, if we can read their comments. Yes, yep. we can, I, Walter. Hello. Yeah, we can. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I actually yeah, we watched them right here. Yeah, if, if you look in the comments, I respond below that. But all right, actually, I, I agree with that because there's a comment that was said earlier, and actually want to I want to throw this to Anthony. Uh, but I thought it was really interesting. So let me just scroll way up to the top. It has to do with the 97% figure. And if, if one of the rest of you wants it, sure. But TM Willemza wrote, the easiest argument to disprove is the 97% of scientists agree, you know, argument, because that's false. Yet it's the hardest argument to convince anyone of. And it's frustrating. And that's honestly true. Like the whole ar or argument that 97% of scientists agree that climate change is no. catastrophic. Yet, Anthony, take it. This is one of the ugliest chapters in the history of climate alarmism. Yeah. And it was promoted by a former cartoonist by the name of John Cook, who decided yeah. that he was going to be a climate activist and save the world and started this up in Australia. And um, basically, he just ran with this, started doing this research paper, you know, and he, he, he linked with one of the universities in Western Australia to get it published. But the whole methodology was flawed. I mean, it was just garbage science. Um, yeah. And they basically polled a bunch of people. And then they had a bunch of an ad hoc committee in this private chat room sort out all these answers. And there was no real scientific basis to it. The whole thing was just a train wreck in terms of how you do polling. And the end result was 73 scientists. And a 73 scientist out of all of the, the supposed thousands of responses they sent out um, ended up saying, yes, there's a real problem with climate, blah, blah, blah. You know, well, what they ended up doing was taking that 73 number with the number of total climate scientists they polled, which was 90 something and or, or 80 something, whatever the number was. And that 73 represented the 97 percent out of the small, less than 100 group that responded that were actually climate scientists. So there you go. Well, That's the whole thing. 73 people. That's yeah. it. They've actually done it a, a, a couple of different ways. The first person to do it before John Cook was Naomi Oreskes, I believe, a sociologist. I'm glad you're getting into the other ways too, certainly, yeah. But but the, the way that I understood it, uh, and maybe Cook did it a second time, is he had a bunch of students uh, yeah, another one. sitting around, and they surveyed, supposedly, all the journals. Uh, and any article that was supposedly about the climate, they looked at the... Um, abstracts. The abstracts of them, right. And uh, if they mentioned climate change and didn't specifically deny, you know, that in the abstract, it didn't specifically say... Uh, humans weren't causing climate change. They counted it as counting towards causing mm -hmm. climate change. Now, dozens of scientists have taken umbrage at that. They said, look, we didn't discuss, we, we were talking about climates of the past and how they changed. We're, our paper didn't have anything to do with climate change today. And yet you counted us as saying, we agree, humans are causing climate change. And our paper is one of the papers that says that. It doesn't. Dozens mm -hmm. of scientists said no. That's a lie. That's not what we said. Others said, we specifically said, 
we find no evidence humans are causing climate change. But because the word climate change appeared in our abstract, you counted it as uh, humans causing climate change. So it was really poorly produced. It should have been uh, withdrawn. Even John Cook was forced to admit, yeah, yeah, that's not accurate. We, we did a poor job of that. And uh, there was no uh, there was no check. I mean, it turns out some of the time, two different people were reviewing the same thing and came to the same conclusion. So they counted they counted the paper same paper twice as saying climate change was being caused by humans. So yes, yeah. um, it, it was a sham. And yet, it you're right. It's it's difficult. In addition, mm-hmm. and I think this is more important. Let's say. Uh, 97% of scientists did agree. They don't, but let's say they did. Well, the vast majority of scientists aren't climate experts. If a biologist tells me, oh, yes, I agree with the 97%. I'm part of the 97%. Okay, so explain uh, atmospheric physics to me. What's your expertise in atmospheric physics as a guy who studied grasshoppers? Uh, if an economist, if if an economist tells me, oh yes, I'm part of that 97%. I worked on the IPCC. Okay, so explain how solar rays affect the climate, and the percentage of CO2 in the atmosphere, and how it affects temperature. Explain, you know, I don't care what most scientists say about climate change, and indeed, climate science is not politics. You don't vote and take a vote and say, oh well. We all agree, so it must be true. No, it's built on data. Mm -hmm. And if every study ever published on Earth agreed that humans were causing climate change, but the data said differently, then the data's right and the studies are wrong. Yeah. Linnea, do you have anything to add to this before uh, we move forward? No, that's good. And the comments are good, too. I do think that part of the reason why it's so difficult to defeat this talking point is, one, it has that nice simplicity that is so easy for like a mainstream news anchor to pitch like you know someone uh as um enlightened as don lemon that's who i'm Um, thinking of too (laughs) (laughs) you know it's easy for someone like don lemon to wrap his head around 97 don lemon yeah (laughs) famous scientist Um, don lemon (laughs) yeah um it's easy for someone like him to wrap their minds around and because they are the kind of people who think that, you know, well, and I can't even say that it's because they'll just believe any study that they're shown because they can be shown a million studies that prove the opposite of um, say the hurricane issue. And they are utterly unconvinced by that data completely. They will always revert back to, well, experts say, and um, it's, yeah, I, that's part of the reason why it's so difficult to defeat is because there's this issue in science that there is so much conflicting research mm-hmm. that for any point, someone can just pull a study, even if they didn't read the whole thing, right? Even if mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the way that um, the study actually presented the information, they can say, see, this is my evidence, And are you going to get into an argument with someone breaking down all the reasons why the study is not applicable to their argument or showing them how the methodology is bad? It's, it's futile most of the time. It's it's not going to Another another sad fact of this is 
contributing to the 97 percent is if you look at if you look at many studies and, you know, many of them that they uh, looked at. So the scientists involved, especially younger scientists who haven't gotten tenure yet, they couch their language very carefully and they have disclaimers. So they write something, they say, well, our research doesn't show hurricanes have increased. That's just our data. Our data shows this. Here's the data set. But we're not saying, you know, and then at the very end, they have the disclaimer, but we're not saying climate change isn't making hurricanes increase. We're just saying our data doesn't show it. Uh, yeah. Our data doesn't show that crops are failing due to climate change. In fact, they're increasing. But we're not saying climate change isn't causing detrimental effects on crops. So they have this mm. disclaimer. And, you, and then the people use this disclaimer to say, oh, see, they admitted climate change Ugh. is having this uh, this detrimental effect. Yeah, it's it's. it's 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 a black mark on the history of, of modern science. It's why I wanted to bring up this this question or that. I mean, Linnea kind of was touching on it, just how it's an argument that that we've won. Like it, they haven't won this 97 percent argument, but it's not something that you can really get out in one quick sentence. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. is the difficulty of our position, I would argue, that that our sound it's bites because, are harder to make. It's because you're arguing Most, against a bumper sticker. Uh, and you can't yeah. argue against the bumper sticker. Yeah. Well, you can. You can just put your own bumper Anthony. sticker out. You can say 97% don't agree. 97% yeah. consensus Which is a lie. Is what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony. Yeah. You know, the biggest problem that climate skeptics faced is that our arguments against these simple sound bites the earth is getting warmer due to carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. That's the sound bite. 97% of scientists agree. That's the sound bite. These are non-thinking soundbites. Our arguments, we have to go into detail. We yeah. have to go into facts and figures and graphs. And, you know, as, as someone once said, math is hard. That's why people <laughs> don't do it. Or science is hard. That's why some people don't do it. That's the problem that we face. We have an uphill battle because math and science and comprehending it, even more importantly, comprehending it is hard. And getting the idea across to people is sometimes impossible because they just don't have the mental wherewithal to you know, basically take in that information. Yeah, yeah. And, and with that 97, Sterling brought up the study where they basically looked at abstracts and if it didn't expressly deny climate change was anthropogenic, it slotted them in with people that say it is. I mean, so many scientists came out and said, like, this is not what I, I believe and this is not what I said. But you never you never hear that from Don Limon, Limon. You just hear so I like saying that now. It's kind of fun. You just uh, you just hear the ninety seven percent figure. So a uh, uh, great question. Um, I do think, and I actually think this is a failure of our side in general. I think the left is way better at using language than the right. I mean, like the Inflation Reduction Act, like it's well named. And then I mean, they had uh, Obamacare, which was the Affordable Care Plan. We had the American Health Care Plan. That's a terrible they just, name. Well, they just lie. <laughs> the yeah, Inflation I know. Inflation Reduction but, Act has nothing yeah. to do with inflation but reduction. It, true, which they stop calling it that. They're, they're, they're the climate bill. They're good propagandists. Yeah. Look, they're yeah. good yeah. propagandists. Yeah, they are. And um, I mean, to a degree, I, I think that our side needs to, to do better at coming up with those quick lines. And one of them probably should be uh, carbon dioxide is causing an, a, a like global food expl explosion. That's bad. That's badly worded. But we need to we need to come up with more quick one liners on our side in general that feature there you go. Anti-human. And and literally, they are. Yeah. All of these policies are anti-human. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, Miss we're low on time Miss here. Does anyone have any more comments before we wrap up? No one? 
All right. Well, looks like looks like no one's got any more comments for the last few minutes. I kind of expected something, so I asked that with four minutes left. But uh, uh, to all those that are viewing, there's um, one. On, what? There was one comment that that yeah. that you didn't get to, and it yeah. was about it. They said something about climate scientists. Ninety-seven uh, percent of climate scientists follow the money, or something. Oh like yeah, that. yeah. There is a huge yeah. problem with the uh, corrupting influence of science. Uh, of big government. And this was warned about <laughs> way back at, when Eisenhower, everyone remembers Eisenhower's speech warning of the military industrial complex. They forget the second half of his speech where he warns about the yeah. uh, government science complex and the corrupting influence of science. Once big science, yeah. the money yeah. for big wanna, science comes from government. Exactly. All of the temperature records we have, all of it comes from the government. There is no independent temperature record no matter what they tell you it's all from one source the government and that's the issue yeah anthony i did see someone ask um in the comments and i don't know if you can remark on this or not but they said that they live near an airport and that's where their temperature data comes from no, and they would that, like yeah. to know if there is a way that they can accurately record temperature on their own uh, without having to rely on the airport data it looks like they want to kind of rub it in their face a little bit, which I support. Well, you know, given how bad most of the airports are where the thermometers are placed in the middle of the tarmac and the jet exhaust and everything, you could go get a dime store Kmart thermometer and put it outside and it would do better. I'm yeah. serious. Uh, it's just that bad. But to do it accurately actually requires a fair investment in time and money because measuring temperature is, it seems simple, but to do it accurately is actually quite complex. And that's part of the problem. Oh, wait. So I haven't found the original comment, but so the airport actually tried defending its way of measuring temperature via a series of Twitter posts after people started becoming skeptical. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Walter, just send Walter, them to, send to them. our email address, think at heartland.org. Yep. Think that would be at heartland.org and, and they'll get it to me. But the point here is, is that, they, yeah, they're trying to defend it. But the bottom line is this. The thermometers used in the airport measurement systems are something that's produced by the lowest bidder. Think about that. And in <laughs> fact, some of them, when they first deployed the airport ASOS systems back in the early 90s, were so bad that they went haywire and they created incredibly high readings, like what happened in the middle of Arizona one year. And they had readings that were coming out, you know, like 115 degrees, where the rest of the readings within a 50 mile radius were something like 95. And yet, despite the fact that they knew the thermometer was broken and making erroneous readings, they left those records in the temperature data set. That's how incompetent the government is at keeping their own freaking records. Sorry, yeah. I'm just getting a little random No, I, You know, it's kind of funny. It's like if you ask Anthony a weather station question at the 59-minute mark, he's like, let's go an hour and a half. <laughs> like, <let's... laughs> Sorry about that. That's my fault. No, no, I, I love it. Great. I, 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 I love yeah, it. No. Yeah. Um, all right. So before we do end, I just want to say to, to the viewers, uh, first off, great comments this week. Uh, we actually, the person that asked if we see them, yeah, we're, we're moderating as best we can the whole time. Uh, sometimes there's so many of you commenting that we struggle to catch everyone, so we... We do apologize if we miss something, but uh, keep coming back, keep commenting, and we'll do our absolute best to get yours on screen and address whatever you want to ask us all. Outside of that, we have our ICCC, International Conference on Climate Change, coming up. And uh, we've always like live streamed these in the past. We get a lot of people viewing, but um, I'll say that this is the first year that we're doing it where a lot of people come to our live streams now and, and comment and talk. So 
Uh, we'd love to, to have you all, well, A, at the event. You can get tickets, uh, go to heartland.org for tickets. But B, just just like watching, I'm sure Sterling's going to have a, a talk. Anthony will have a talk. Uh, I don't know if I will. I don't know if Linnea will. Linnea, if you do, let me know now. But uh, I'll be there. And if y'all are there, we'd be happy to meet you, uh, any of you all. We appreciate you all being here. But outside of that, just, um, yep, you know, Sterling, yeah. One, one comment for me close. I won't yeah. be here next week. And yeah. if we don't hold one the week of our conference, I won't be here the week following that. So y'all good luck and, and good fortune. Thank you, sir. I, um, you're on vacation or something. You'll be so here in spirit. Yeah. I'm, I'm on vacation the last week of October. Uh, but yeah. next week I'm actually at a conference. Oh, got it. Got it. Um, and I will assume that you'll be wearing awesome Halloween shirts like that to this conference. I mean, what you, else? Well, your, your assumption may be fallacious. I may take my <laughs> Halloween tie. I'll be wearing a suit and tie. But I'll take okay. my Halloween tie. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. we'll wrap it up with that. Thanks you all for joining us this week. Um, at least Sterling won't be, but the rest of us will be here next week. Peace.